This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Biomega Fish Oil from Biotics Research. For over 40 years, Biotics Research has been providing the highest quality supplements, surpassing industry standards. Biomega Fish Oil contains therapeutic doses of vital omega-3s in the triglyceride form, which is highly bioavailable. Biotics Research ensures maximum purity and freshness by managing their fish oils from catch to capsule, verified by rigorous independent testing. For more information, go to drhoffman.com slash bioticsresearch. That's drhoffman.com slash bioticsresearch for Biomega fish oil. Welcome. To intelligent medicine, I am Layla Mutin, your host. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist. I have a master's degree in nutrition and exercise. If you'd like to make an appointment with me, call the office 212-779-1744. If you'd like to send me an email with a question or a topic of interest, send it to radio program at AOL.com. That is radio program at AOL.com. Now we know here in America that heart disease is the number one cause of illness and death, pretty much. Um, now there are other there are many things that contribute to that heart disease, you know, sedentary lifestyle, poor diet, but depressed mood and exhaustion. Who hasn't felt that? Especially this past year, right? Depressed mood and exhaustion may contribute to cardiometabolic risk. Now this is from the Institute a functional medicine, which is a wonderful resource for good health information. So when considering the causes of disability in high-income countries, like the United States, depression and cardiovascular disease are both at the top of that list. <clears throat> the connection between cardiovascular disease and depression is well established, but our understanding about the bi-directional nature of that relationship, namely how mental health impacts cardiovascular risk, is only in its early stages. To summarize what is known about the association of cardiovascular disease with, with depression, one group of researchers from Harvard Medical School stated that depression in cardiac disease is common, persistent, under-recognized, and deadly. Patients with coronary artery disease, heart failure, atrial fibrillation, and implanted cardiac defibrillators are all at greatly increased risk of depression compared to healthy individuals. Now, folks, add to that the depression of this pandemic. Lockdown orders, all of that, 
livelihoods being decimated, right? People going bankrupt because of this lockdown, the inability to work. That is another cause, obviously, for depression and these uh, cardiometabolic risk factors. So, you know, it's one thing to already have coronary artery disease, heart failure, AFib, implanted devices, maybe that can cause depression, right? Because the patient is unwell. But the country, the world, has been unwell due to this pandemic. And not merely from getting COVID-19, but the effects of the lockdown, which has been maybe more deadly. Uh, that, that remains to be seen in the coming years when I'm sure it will be very, very, very well studied. Anyway, coming back to this. Yet the evidence suggests that depression precedes cardiovascular events for many patients. To round up some of that research, in one study, major depression preceded acute coronary syndrome by more than 30 days in 53% of patients. So often you hear, you know, in the news of people who have a heart attack or something happens and, well, what preceded it? terrible news, uh, anything, you know, to cause depression, anxiety, that type of a thing. Trauma. It's a trauma, right? And in another study, nearly 50% of patients had thoughts that life was not worth living two weeks before hospitalization for a cardiac condition. Think about that. Yeah. A meta-analysis concluded that whether pre or post cardiac event, depression is prevalent among coronary heart disease patients and is, quote, whether it's for their cardiac or mental health, screening and treating patients for depression can improve quality of life. It may also enhance the therapeutic partnership and improve adherence to recommendations, along with improving long-term quality of life. So we as practitioners need to be looking out for that. I mean, I, as a nutritionist, part of my screening is to also determine if somebody is struggling with weight issues, I'm talking about overweight, not underweight necessarily, if there's any indication for emotional eating, you know, often eating is a coping mechanism. And of course, we're not talking about eating 10 hard-boiled eggs. We're talking more about eating 10 cookies, right? The idea of eating 10 hard-boiled eggs probably makes you a little bit nauseated, doesn't it? Yeah, that's why you can't binge on protein and fat foods like that. But we can binge on sugar all day long, couldn't we? Right? a sleeve of Oreo cookies, too many cookies, a box of cookies, right? I'm talking about emotional eating. Well, what's causing that emotional eating? It could be depression. It could be a coping mechanism due to anxiety, stress, fear, loneliness, anger, all kinds of things. You know, 
One person's sugar is another person's alcohol is another person's drugs, right? So let's come back to this. One decade-long study on all-cause mortality and cardiovascular mortality examined more than 3,400 middle-aged men. The results indicated that the presence of depressed mood and exhaustion is a middle-ranking risk factor for all-cause and cardiovascular disease mortality compared to high cholesterol levels and obesity. Wow. A 2018 study of 1,075 women found a significant prevalence of untreated and undertreated depressive symptoms among women with or at high risk of developing cardiovascular disease. These studies highlight the need to widen the lens for a good sound cardiometabolic assessment in our practices. Depression and anxiety can also significantly impact the course of illness and efficacy of treatment after a cardiac event, like a heart attack, right? For instance, analyses have revealed that patients with comorbid depression after a heart attack have a threefold increase risk of death. We know that mental health issues are extremely common across the population. In 2012, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention found that one-third of all visits to a primary care practitioner involved a mental health component. Patients with coronary artery disease or heart failure are roughly three times more likely than the general public to have a comorbid, to have comorbid depression. And for patients at risk, of cardiovascular and cardiometabolic conditions, depression and exhaustion are vital risk factors to consider for public health in general. Why is exhaustion included here? When you're depressed, you're exhausted. You're mentally exhausted, you're emotionally exhausted, and that turns into physical exhaustion. You don't have the, the stamina to get up and exercise, to get up and cook yourself a nourishing meal, to go on with your daily activities. You are indeed exhausted. So let's aging adults, let's consider them. Statistically, older adults are more likely than those under 60 years of age to have depression and seek treatment from primary care providers. And depression may be especially common in long-term care settings with a prevalence of 29% compared with 19% in the general population. And furthermore, the likelihood of depression increases with each comorbid condition. Think about it. Are you happy to be diagnosed with a medical condition? Of course not. And where do we see most of these conditions diagnosed? In an older population. 
They have had a longer life to accumulate toxins. They have had their increasing years to feel the brunt of maybe poor lifestyle choices over so many decades, right? Maybe smoking, maybe obesity, poor diet. I mean, who's happy about being diagnosed with a medical condition? I can think of one instance, actually, where you might be happy. Is if you've got if you've suffered with symptoms that are not identified with any specific condition or disease, and no doctor has been able to diagnose you, that has to be absolutely frustrating and frightening. Whereas then, when you finally get a diagnosis of something concrete, and yes, we know what's wrong with you, and yes, we will know how to treat you, that would be a happy moment, wouldn't it? It kind of reminds me of the time when. Chronic fatigue syndrome kind of evolved or came about. I think this was in the 1990s, if I'm if I'm recalling correctly. I think it was the 1990s. Chronic fatigue syndrome. Why all that fatigue in these certain points of the bodies where there are, in the body where there are body aches? You know, shoulders, neck, other points, you know, other areas of the body where there are body aches. So you would then, in that case, if you've not been diagnosed, you're seeking help. And of course, when you seek help, you, how do you treat something you don't know when you don't know what that is? How would you treat it, right? So researchers report that perceptions of time pressure or of more difficult patients both tend to reduce the likelihood of physicians screening for depression in this population. Think about it. We're talking about primary care now. We're not talking necessarily of, of a practice that Dr. Hoffman has where he devotes the time to uncover the antecedents, not just go down a checklist of symptoms, but to look behind it to look for the cause, which is a tenet of, of integrated, integrative and functional medicine for medical doctors, and in nutrition for nutritionists like myself. We're always looking for what happened preceding the onset of symptoms, what is the diagnosis, what might be a differential diagnosis, and what happened before is often an event. And it could be an event that leads to depression that then leads to all these other things, right? So for those with cardiometabolic and cardiovascular diagnoses, lifestyle pres prescriptions are common. Like, you know, get up off the couch, try. You have to really try, right? Um, change, changes in diet. Depression can greatly interfere with the ability to conduct normal life much less make changes and adapt to new recommendations from a primary care provider. There is room to improve in the detection and treatment of comorbid depression, and doing so could help to improve outcomes, as well as increase patients' adaptability and resilience to adhere to needed lifestyle changes. I want to tell you, uh, in my practice with Dr. Hoffman since 2005, 
Wow, going on 16 years this October. Many patients have come through with depression, depression and anxiety. Oftentimes anxiety is, is, is coupled with depression, but those with depression, first thing we do is, is a real uh, investigation of how they live their lives, what they do, what might be uh, uh, the toxins that they may be exposed to, whether in their occupations or at home or in their relationships. Think about it. What's, you know, a toxic relationship, an abusive relationship, that's a toxic relationship. Uh, a toxic relationship is one where uh, you are not valued in your relationship with that other person, or you are berated. Maybe you are emotionally, verbally abused. Maybe you are physically abused. This is terrible, right? That's a toxic relationship. So there, there's all kinds of exposure to toxins. It's not just the antibacterial triclosan in your soap or in your personal grooming product or your laundry detergent. It's in your toxic relationships. Also, in your foods, there's toxicants in foods. Are you a big eater of, of chicken and rice? Even especially brown rice and chicken? Are you getting these commercially, not organic? Well, you're exposed to a lot of arsenic there. Are you drinking apple juice, maybe orange juice? You're getting arsenic there too. This is a heavy metal. And these heavy metal poisonings, these uh, being, being, uh, get, becoming, you know, the, the, uh, the overload of these toxins of these heavy metals like arsenic, lead, mercury, Somebody, a colleague of mine mentioned gandolinium to me. Gandolinium, where do we get that from? It's from MRI contrast. If you've ever gone for an MRI and you had to take a contrast to highlight the area in question, say you have, you know, vertigo, you know, for, you have vertigo for three months, it's not gone away, and they send you for an MRI, they give you some contrast to kind of highlight the inner ear region to see if there's anything going on there. They may be looking for an acoustic neuroma. That's a tumor in the inner ear. You need contrast to kind of see that, to help the MRI image that. And gandolinium is a type of contrast that's used, which could be toxic. And again, if you have a well-functioning body and detox pathways, if you have well-functioning detox pathways, your liver is healthy, all of that, your kidneys are healthy, your body will naturally get rid of that. But some people need a little help. So other causes of depression, listen, if you're eating a poor diet, if you're eating sugar, if you're eating additives, preservatives, if you're a carbohydrate junkie, you could be on this high blood sugar, low blood sugar. It's called unstable blood sugar and hypoglycemia bandwagon. If you know what true hypoglycemia feels like, it doesn't feel good. It could feel quite awful. And it could feel like depression and it could feel like anxiety and it could feel like exhaustion, all of the above. And this unstable blood sugar sends the body, sends off, it does... Uh, it, it does tip off an alarm system in the body where then inflammation is present. And that has everything to do with risk of cardiovascular disease. All right? So there are many ways to look at or approach depression 
toxins in our environment, our outlook. Why is that outlook there? Is it a result of your upbringing? Maybe psychotherapy is appropriate. I'm not the first one to leap to an antidepressant. But let me also say, I've met patients who, taking the right antidepressant, change their world for the better. I'm not anti-medicine. I am pro what works for the patient that is not harming them. And if that means a combination of medicine and nutrition, often that can lead to the most successful outcome, I'm, more, I'm all for it. I'm all for the patient getting well and feeling great and leading a healthy life, not being depressed, taking away a risk factor for heart disease. Very, very important, right? So, again, I invite your questions, topics of interest. You can email me to radioprogram at aol.com. That's radioprogram at aol.com. And I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.